Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Boy, how many of you know that to be true? We've been blessed, and we are people that are blessed. And God has been so good, and God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. And whether you feel like it or not, God is still good. It's not based on your feelings or my feelings. And God is good all the time. I thank God for His goodness. And boy, He's been so good to me and been so good to us and so good to this church and so thankful. I pray you're thankful. I pray that you'll thank Him today for how good He's been and just to say thank you, God, for your goodness. Turn with me, if you would, in the New Testament to the book of Ephesians. You might want to go to the back of your Bible and then work from there. Uh, it might be easier to find it, if, um, especially if you're a guest. We have a Bible there in the pew in front of you. You're welcome to use it. Keep it if you need it. And we want you to have the Word of God. And Ephesians chapter 2 is where we'll find ourselves this morning. Ephesians chapter 2. Speaking on a title called, That's Good. And uh, today is Memorial Day and Memorial Day weekend. Tomorrow's Memorial Day, but Memorial Day weekend. And you know, Memorial Day, the explanation of that has actually been called Decoration uh, Day. Uh, the reason being is because from the early tradition of decorating graves with flowers and wreaths and flags. Memorial Day is truly remembrance of those who laid down their life for our freedom. And it's not to take lightly. Matter of fact, it's not even appropriate to say happy Memorial Day because it's, it's not a happy day. It's not something that we can be happy and thankful that we are free, but the freedom came with a cost and it came with a high cost for many and those that um, know it and feel it, feel it in their families today, still to this day. And in John 15, 13, I'm reminded, it says, Greater love hath no man than this, than that a man lay down his life for his friends. And there's been some people, some men and women, sons and daughters, grandsons and granddaughters that have laid down their life for our freedom today. So that you can sit there, and I can stand here, and so that we can worship together, and so that we can go out, from these walls and, and then be in a free, and still be in a free country. And it's something that we need to be thankful for. And it's something that we don't need to take for granted. And they felt it good enough to fight for our freedom. They gave their all for our own good. And uh, that's good. And it's good to be an American. It's better to be a Christian. And it's a wonderful thing to be called a child of God. And I thank God that we can be in His family. And because of that, Ephesians chapter 2 Verse 10, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Would you look at that with me, please? One verse, and we'll look at other verses in this chapter. We'll be in this chapter a good bit this morning. I pray it'll be a blessing and encouragement and help to you, as it has been to me, and I'm asking God to speak to me once again. Ephesians 2, verse 10, it says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Workmanship. Good things. Good works. Workmanship implies a work of art. Michelangelo, he, he saw a, a slab of marble, 
And he looked at that slab of marble and he said, there's a beautiful angel inside that slab of marble that needs to come out of that slab of marble. And he took that slab of marble and started to create an angel out of that slab of marble. And if you know Michelangelo, he was able to do that. But I'll tell you, there's someone way better of a creator and creation that was created by the creator than, than Michelangelo. And it's Jesus Christ. And it's Jesus Christ, the workmanship that he created unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we, that you and I, should, it's something we should do, should walk in them. That we should walk in them. And by the way, you and I are a masterpiece that God wants to continue to work in, through, and for us, and with us. And I'm so thankful that the love of God that saved my soul doesn't stop there. It continues to do a change in my life and continues to work in my life. Does it continue to work in your life? Does it continue to change you? Are you continuing to be changed? We're created in Christ Jesus for good works. And it's a beautiful thing that, wants, that God wants to be active in our life, and that is good works. That's good. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would help us this morning to not leave thinking the message was good, but to leave thinking that God is good. Lord, do not think anything that we heard was good, but to know that your word is good, and that you are good and your way is best, and Lord, your way is perfect, your way is right, and Lord, I pray that you'll help us right now, anyone that has thoughts that are elsewhere or being distracted by anything, that those distractions would be minimized, maybe completely put out and put away, so that our hearts can be open. Lord, thank you so much for the way that you've used the music this morning, and thank you for the flexibility of the choir and the special music, and Lord, the singing that we've sung together. Lord, now we come to a very special time. All those lead up to this time so that our heart is ready, so that we can be ministered to through the Word of God. And Lord, I pray that you'll speak to me. I need it, and I need your help. And I pray that you'll help each one of us to, to not leave empty today, knowing that your Word does not return void. May it be full in our life, and Lord, show us something again, afresh and anew today, we pray. I ask you for this, in Jesus' name, amen. Would you take your Bible and turn to Romans, Romans 7, Romans 7, if you would. What is good? Paul went back and forth with this matter of what is good, and he had a struggle, just the same struggle you and I have. In this same way, in Romans 7, you'll see his struggle a struggle against sin. I've been reminded very recently that our world is full of sin, haven't you? My, we have, we have such a sin nature, but you know what? Let's be careful not to think that the world is so sinful when we are still sinful. And we're still sinners saved by grace, and thank God for that, but we're still a sinner, a sinner at best. And here's, here's what it is in Romans 7, Paul's struggle. Romans 7, verse 7. Romans 7, 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. You wouldn't even know what sin is if it weren't for the law and God's word. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, which means desire, craving, what's forbidden. You're craving it. For without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. 
And the commandment which was ordained to life I found to be unto death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it it slew me. Notice the difference. Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy and just and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, worketh death in me by that which is good. That sin by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Notice, here's the struggle. Verse 15. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I, for what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Can we say that together? Dwelleth no good thing. For to will is to present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members. Members. That's your members, the eyes and ears and tongue and your feet. Warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am. Can we say that together? O wretched man that I am. Notice, here's a question mark, and it comes with a wonderful answer. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's who delivers us. That's the answer. I thank God. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. This is why it's so critical what you and I think about. Philippians 4 talks about the mind. Think on things that are pure, lovely, of good report. Think on these things. And it goes on to give you more things to think on. And they're all good. They're all good things. Does it matter the good that I do or I don't do? Oh, it sure does. How do I know what's good? And what, what, do, I, what do I do? I want to give you two simple thoughts. Two simple thoughts that can allow us to help fulfill God's purpose and God's direction for our life. And it's good. Ephesians chapter 2, if you take your Bible and turn back there with me, we see the struggle, and the struggle is real, and the struggle is against sin, and the struggle was not just with Paul, although he clarifies and, and gives us a great description of the things that he, he, he wants to do, and man, I'm, I'm trying to do them, and it's as if I, I do the things that I, I don't want to do, and, and I, then I don't do the things that I, I know I need to do, and it's a real struggle. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, says this, though. Ephesians chapter 2, and you, who is it written to? You, me, you, 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 it's written to you and I, here we go, and you hath he quickened, made alive, new life in Christ, praise God for that, who were, who were past, dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world. 
according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. There's that mind again. And were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, I thank God through Christ Jesus, as we just looked at in Romans 7, Notice, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. When we were dead in sins, hath quickened us, in other words, made us alive, us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Praise God for this. When I read these verses, I, I'm reminded of a story I, I heard of an illiterate couple. You know, an illiterate couple means they can't read. And they had just been saved. And the man went almost kind of like a similar to, well, we have a, a work day and a project at the church. And he went to that project at the church to be a part of that event. And as he attended that event, he had just gotten saved. He noticed when he got there that all the men were wearing red shirts. So he went home and told his wife, I need to get a red shirt. And so he got a red shirt, went back and did another project at the church. And when he went that day at the, and at the project of that church, he saw on the red shirts they had something written on their, on their shirt. He didn't know what it was. He couldn't read it. It was illiterate, him and his wife both. But he wanted to have something on his shirt too. And so he went back and he told his wife, i got to have something on my shirt i got to get something on my shirt. It's red shirt. I blend in with the rest of them. They're all red with the red shirts, and i got my red shirt, but they have words now on their shirt, and I need to get some words on my shirt. And so his wife, she looked across the street, and she saw something on a sign, and she thought, well, that'll work, and, and I'll put that on his, on his shirt, not knowing how to read, not knowing what the words really were saying, but she said, I'm going to go ahead and put that on his shirt. And so she took the time to sew on his shirt, and he, he went back to another project at the church, and as he got to the church, and he wore that shirt with those words plastered, the three, there's three words that are on the front of his shirt, and as the rest of the group of men looked at his shirt, they said, man, we like that. Man, that is so good. And so he, he went home and was, was almost feeling like he could want to rush home and get done with the project and get home to tell his wife, they love my shirt, and he was bubbling with joy and ecstatic, and he was excited, and his, and his wife wondered why. It's because on his shirt it said, under new management. <laughs> he had just gotten saved. And he's under new management. And that's worthy of having on your shirt. But it's more worthy to have in our life. And to live. Because, and you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins trespasses and sins trespasses it's a deviation from truth it's crossing a line it's offensive it's past the point the line where your conduct should be it's easy for us to to point out conduct in others but to not see ourselves when our conduct crosses the line it's past that line and we have to look at ourselves and take a look at, at Jesus and what He's done for us and thank the Lord that He saved us. And, and for His sin, he, he bought us with His blood and His precious blood. He paid a price, just like we think of the, some of the price that's been paid for our freedom. But Jesus paid the ultimate price. 
the greatest of all sacrifices, but he paid a price for our sin, your sin, my sin, trespassing. You know, it's those signs that they're really trying to get a point across to you that they don't want you on their property. You know, they they try to get a point across saying, no trespassing, see dog for details. (laughs) Right? No trespassing, you will be shot or bit. You decide, punk. Right? No trespassing, we don't call 911. I don't know about this one, but no trespassing, owner owns a firearm and a backhoe. Interesting. (laughs) No trespassing. There is nothing on this property worth losing your life over. And of course, we have a spiritual no trespassing sign. Prayer is the best way to meet the Lord. Trespassing is a whole lot faster. But you know what people are trying to do? They're trying to get a point across. They don't want you on their property. They don't want you to cross the line. They don't want you to trespassing because it's a big deal to them. By the way, your trespassing, my trespassing, is a big deal to God. Trespasses and sins. It's a big deal that we trespass even one time, even one sin. And we've sinned, and, and sin is absolutely, so trespass and sin. Sin is absolutely anything that goes against God's Word and His will and His ways for our life. It's absolutely anything. And, and dear Christian, we need to remind ourselves once again, just because we are saved by grace, thank God that we're saved by grace, but we're still a sinner at best. And we're still a sinner. And, and, and we may say, man, I'm a saint. Well, you're, you're a saint sinner. And you're, you're a sinner saint, however you want to call it. But, but the thing of it is, we need to keep this in mind as well, that this word sin means we miss the mark. And to miss the mark literally means, in the, back in the day, in English and the British used to have actually a hoop that they, they would put on a pole, and then they would take their quiver of arrows and try to, as men, shoot those arrows into that hoop, into that, of that pole. And you know what? They didn't make every one of them. They oftentimes missed They missed the mark. And more missing happened than making into that hoop. Romans 3.23 says, Come short of the glory of God. We've all sinned and we, we fall short of the glory of God. We missed the mark. And today you might be trying your best to hit the mark. You're going to miss. But come short of the glory of God. Perfection every time is not possible. It's not possible. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. Romans 3.12, the Scripture says there's none that is perfect. And if you don't agree with that, man, let's ask your wife. Lady, you don't agree with that? Let's ask your husband. If your husband's a sinner, she'll say yes. Teen, if, if you don't think you're a sinner, let's ask your parents. They'll tell us that you're a sinner. They really know, because if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. By the way, you and I are a sinner. We might be a sinner saved by grace, but we're still a sinner today. We miss the mark of perfection. Can I say this? Your Christian, your sin still allows you to miss out on things in life as well. And the ultimate result of our sin brings death, brings death. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Our sin brings death. Another horrible thing about sin is it breaks fellowship with an almighty, holy God. That's a big deal. 
to break that sweet communion and break that fellowship. Of it. But I'm thankful that in 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, that fellowship can be restored. But just because you get forgiveness does not give you a pass from the consequences of your sin. Ephesians 2, 1, it says, We're dead in trespasses and sins, and we're, we're to be dead in them, and we're to be dead in our trespasses and sins, and in trespasses, not from trespasses, in trespasses. Because of your sins, we're dead. Notice, please, verse 2, it says, Wherein in time past you walked. Maybe if you're in the habit of underlining, would you underline those words in time past? Because you'll find them in verse 2 and also in verse 3. Actually, in verse 3, it, it changes it to plural, and it says, In times past, ye walked. This walking is not the normal walking you and I would think about. It's a meander. I know that's an old word, and I'm just kind of proud of myself that I can use it. <laughs> but meander, when you see a person walking, you make an assumption they're going somewhere. Meandering, they don't have a clue. And maybe, or they, they think they have a purpose, but they really are not getting anywhere. You know, they're going everywhere, but really nowhere. They're, they're moving around, they're aimless, and, and they're doing the circles, moseying around here, there, and everywhere, but they're just walking aimless without purpose. It's like when you see the air moving that wind weather vane. It just moves around wherever the air is moving it. It's like the water moving and the currents are all are, are, are coming in. And sometimes they'll be rough and other times they'll be go this way and that way. It's, it's all kinds of directions. And it's just following the push of the crowd. It's, it's just giving in to the pressure put on you. That's meandering. That's just no purpose. And not the right purpose. It's moving with whatever the fad and whatever is going on around you. You do it. You got to get in on it. Because that's what's important. Well, not really. It's not the right purpose. Moving with the culture and whatever it takes to click into it or keep up with it. No, this is the time in the past. The life in time past is not to be the life now. In time past, she walked, moving around without a cause, but not now. Now you have life with Christ, new life in Christ, abundant and free. What joys and what, what glories and what splendor and, and, and what wonderful blessings can come as a result of walking with Christ each and every day and to walk as children of light and to walk in love and, and to walk as He walked and to see that it's not in time past. In verse 2, it tells us about time past. Ye walked according to the course of this world. Would you notice it, please, in verse 2? Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world. The world has a course, and its course keeps changing. Haven't you seen that? Boy, it's, it's happened more rapidly than we realize. And I think we, we're getting a taste of it a little bit. And boy, it's, it's changing faster than we would ever have thought. The world's course is constantly moving and meandering and changing. Prince of the power of the air, it's next thing, according to Prince of the power of the air, it's Satan is active. But notice, please, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Boy, it's a dead end. It's in time past the way it was, but is not what it's meant to be now. See, sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. You can live a life thinking you're going somewhere with these things and you can, you can go after the, the following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that worketh in disobedience. You can have that kind of spirit and you can live in the past. But I'm telling you today, it's much better to live in the present and to enjoy the now 
And then, in the future, let's let the past be in the past. Let's, let's let it go to the past, and in the times past, you walked, but you were unsaved. You didn't know God, so don't... Why, how, help me understand something. As a Christian, why do we still want to dabble back in that? As a Christian, why do we still want to have something to do with that? As a Christian, we know what that brought us. We know it's a dead end. We know there's nothing good about it. And then we know that God is good and God's ways are best. But then we still want to like almost drag some of this in with this. It doesn't work that way. And we can't expect God's blessings if we're still wanting to dabble around. And as a Christian... Please help me understand, why do we want to dabble with the prince of the power of the air? Why do we want to be at working the spirit of disobedience? Why do we want to get into these things of the course of this world when God's got a course, God's got a plan? Matter of fact, Joshua 1.8 says, man, way prosperous, good success. A few months back, I was attending a service and so on a Sunday afternoon, I immediately, from this church service, had to go right to another service and had part in it. And a gentleman that passed away actually from our church, and the location was Haddonfield. How many of you are familiar with Haddonfield? Well, not me. It was my first time. And it's not a big town. It's a small town. It seems very compact. It's one of those areas that are reminding me just a little bit of Philadelphia because it's hard to find a parking spot. And so I was thankful I wasn't in a church van, uh, but, but I, I, I did circle around the block two or three times to just find that one spot. But I found my parking spot, and I parked, and it was raining, and I went into the service and had part in the service, and I, then I got out of the service, and as I got out of the service, I planned to walk to my car, and I, I walked, and I walked, and I continued to walk, and I finally pulled out my phone and put in some the landmarks I thought where my car was parked, and I'm wondering if my car is still parked there, or am I having something going on with me? What's going on? Am I losing it? Am I losing my mind? What's happening? And so as I pulled out my phone and I started to listen to the directions, I was glad I had my AirPods so it wasn't out loud for everybody to hear that I was lost, and so I could hear in my ear, and so no one would know, but then I started seeing people from the funeral that would pass by. Ah, yes. Yes, you saw, me, you saw me as I'm on my second time around the block now. I'm walking around. And, and so I, I knew I'm lost. And it, and it wasn't good. I was meandering. I, I felt like I knew where my car was parked. I felt like I had a purpose. And I felt like my purpose was to get to my vehicle. And I'm getting drenched as I walk. But, and I knew I was only five minutes away. And now I'm on to 20, 30 minutes My wife calls, and I, the last thing I want to do is admit to her that I'm lost, <laughs> and, I, and I need prayer, and I need help. Um, so I didn't tell her I needed help. I just told her I needed prayer. And, so, and that does help you because she prayed, and I started praying. And by the way, when I started praying, I found my car. Because here's what happens. Christ always makes the difference. And it took me involving Christ... And then my direction was found. And you and I need to come to a point in our life where we realize we are not making any headway. We're not getting anywhere until you and I involve Christ first and foremost. You know, the days of most purpose are the days that I have put God first. Those are the days of most purpose. The days that I put God first. C.T. Studd said, a man who served as a British missionary to China, he said this, these two little lines changed his life. 
He said, traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart, and from my mind would not depart, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one, soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before His judgment seat. Only one life, twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still small voice, gently pleads for a better choice. Bidding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life, well, we know this to be true, a few brief years. Each with its burdens, hopes, and fears. Each with its clays I must fulfill. Living for self or in His will. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep. In joy or sorrow, Thy word to keep. Faithful and true, whate'er the strife, pleasing Thee in my daily life. Oh, let my love with fervor burn. Can you still say that? Can I still say that? And from the world now let me turn, living for Thee and Thee alone, bringing Thee pleasure on Thy throne, and only Thy will to be done. And then at last I'll hear the call. I know I'll say twas worth it all. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Hey, for me, for you, the days of most purpose are the days that we put God first. And you'll find it to be true because in time past you walked. In time past you had conversation. The lust of the flesh, in verse 3, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God has a different plan. And so He tells us, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Don't be swayed by the prince of the power of the air. Don't, don't, don't be a rebel against God's desires and children of disobedience. Don't see sin as sin. Oh yeah, we need to get back to that. We need to see sin as sin. And we don't think that sin is cute and sin is just a mistake. No, it breaks fellowship with the holy God. And by the way, reconciliation begins with repentance. One man put it this way, repentance is taking sides with God against myself. That's good. Did you catch that? Repentance is taking sides with God against myself. Oh, it matters that we don't break fellowship with God. We need to welcome into our life being a child of God that's obedient in our ways, acknowledging Him, not trusting in our own ways. No, it says, trust in the Lord and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him. Let's try this. How about this? How about, let's not fight for fleshly desires. Let's fight to have a spirit controlled by the Holy Spirit. That's good. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, no, that's to be in times past. See, we got to understand something. God put the church into this world. Satan wants to put the world into this church. All the good that we need is, number one, communication from God's Word. Communication from God's Word. And that's good. Because verse 4 says, but God. But God. That's all we need. Just God is enough. He's all we'll ever need. 
He's all we need up to this point. He's all we'll need for, from here on out. But God. See, if it weren't for God, we wouldn't even have His Word. God wants to do a work in us, with us and for us. It is God which worketh in you, but to will and to do of His good pleasure. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And 1 Thessalonians says this in two, verse 2.13. It says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the Word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the Word of men, but as it is in truth, the Word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Does it effectually working in you? to be effectually working in you and I that believe. Sometimes I wonder, as Christians, are we letting the Word of God effectually work in our life? As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word of God, that you may grow thereby. Can I ask you this morning, how hungry are you? Not for lunch, it's coming. But for the Word of God. Do you hunger and thirst after righteousness? Do you enjoy... Sweet communion with God. Do you have special time with the Lord? Do you delight in God's Word? Can you say in Psalm 119, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Have you gotten to a point in your life where you actually enjoy the Word of God? That if you miss the Word of God, you know and you feel that you miss it. And I'm not talking about you left your car or left your uh, Bible on the car because you were getting in your car. I'm talking about you left your Bible out of your life and out of your day and you know it's going to affect your day. You know it's not going to be as good a day because you didn't involve God first. And God was not, not just included, but you're to involve Him in everything and anything that we do. And He's the one because verse 13, would you notice please, it says... There's a difference of times past because verse 13, it says, but now, but now, now, like right now, in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes were far off are made nigh, in close. Why? By the blood of Christ, by the blood of Christ. I'm alive with Christ. So it's but God and but now. That's the difference. And that's good. See, our communication from God, with God, brings sweet communion with God. Our communication from God and His Word. I want to ask you, have you heard from God lately? Man, you know what we do? We blame everyone for breakdown communication. Communication breakdown, that's why we have this problem. Oh, that's why they have this problem. Oh, that marriage, communication breakdown. It's got to be the problem. It's got to be somebody with a communication breakdown. I wonder, what does God think? How does God feel when we... Man, I, I got something to communicate to them. I got something to tell them. I wanted to tell them this morning, but they didn't meet with me. They didn't even open up the Word of God. They don't even know where their Bible is. They didn't even pray. They didn't even talk to me. And I had something to give to them this morning, and it was right there. I wanted to lay it on the plate. Communication breakdown. You're going to blame it on spouse? You're going to blame it on kids? You're going to blame it on your time? You're going to blame it on your busyness? If we're too busy to, to be with God, then you're too busy. You and I are too busy. Because we need God. By the way, God doesn't need us. We need God. It's a big difference. And until we get to the point where we realize we need God, then, then the communication breakdowns won't happen because we should pray that God helps us to live not in time past. Let the past be in the past. We should pray that, Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. 
Lord, how many abstain from all appearance of evil? Lord, how many have the spirit of obedience? How many approve that which is good? How many to, to hold fast to that which is good? How many to not render evil for evil unto a man that renders evil to me and ever, ever, ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men? Your God, help me to be holy as you're holy. Lord God, help me to do whatever I do, whether therefore I eat or drink or whatsoever I do, do all to the glory of God. It's possible. Otherwise, He wouldn't have told us we could do it. And He says it for a reason, so that we'll take it and we'll live it and we'll, we'll be with Him, not only with the communion with God, we have that communion with God. Guess what it brings? A consecration for God. See, a communion with God brings a consecration for God. That's good. If I had to say so myself. God, I want all things for you to have preeminence. We need some Christians that will place the emphasis where God places the emphasis. My college president used to say this. He said, you reap the harvest where you place the emphasis. You reap the harvest where you place the emphasis. This begins with you and I. See, a true Christian, we need to be asking God, God, how can I get closer in with you? God, how can not only you be nigh to me, but me nigh to you and draw nigh to God, and God will draw nigh to us. And God, I need that consecration to you, and I want that communion with you because it's only through you that I, that, I, that I have to have your strength, and I can do all things through me? No, through Christ which strengthens me. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And it's but God hath quickened us. That's why. What is He quickened us from? It's, it's He that is in verse 6 of Ephesians 2. It's He that has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We have a right to the kingdom of God. We can anticipate this glory and we should be indescribably happy. You know what? I'm looking out this morning and I've seen some sour faces and I've seen some sweet faces. But you know what? We should be indescribably happy this morning because we have Jesus. And it shouldn't take somebody getting excited up here to tell you that. And it shouldn't take you telling me that I have Jesus so that I'm reminded, oh yeah, I do have Jesus. Oh, oh yeah, I forgot. Now wait a second. We should be happy because of the possession of salvation was freely given to us, not attained, not worked for, and we have fellowship with Jesus Christ. You and I don't deserve it. This is what God wants to do. He wants to give us in verse 7, that in ages to come He might show, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness. Boy, His kindness is good. It's been way, way more than I deserve. And it's not of yourselves in verse 8. Can I ask you once again, in verse 8, I grace you say through faith, and not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Why is it that if it's not of ourselves, why are we still trying on ourselves to earn it, to receive it, something we've already received? It's been a gift that's freely given. It's, it's all God. It's always has been, always will be. It's the greatest gift. It's not the last gift, though, that He has for us. He's, he wants to show us exceeding riches, and more so. And it's because of Christ in verse 9, not of worse as any man should boast, for we are His workmanship. And that's what God wants to do. I just wonder, sometimes I wonder how God feels when we have that communication breakdown because we're not willing to have communion with God. And then we don't have consecration to God because we didn't have the communion with God. And then we, we try to do these, all these things to make ourselves almost have a good standing when God has already put us in good standing. 
We didn't get to salvation because of our works. Now, as a result of salvation, there should be works and fruit. You shall know them. And there should be evidence that you're saved. But wait a second. If, if you were given something that makes you alive and you have life given to you, that's enough. To, to say, you know what? Life brings life. Life, I'm going to live. Dead to sin. Death to sin. For the, the wages of sin is death. So why do I want to dabble? Why do, what do I want to do with any of that? No, no, no. Life with Christ is new. It's abundant. It's free. And, and new life is brought to me by Jesus Christ. And so I didn't earn it. I didn't work for it. Man, so now, because He gave it to me, now I can show that this life is not being earned but I'm going to have some works come out of this life. No matter what anybody says, no matter what the rest of the crowd is doing, no matter what the past life looks like, I know what that brings. Death. I have life. And so let's live that life. Abundant and free. And let's live that life. And so, you know, I wonder, how would we feel if someone that gave you new life, you turned it away? My friend Dean Zinke over here, I asked for permission to share this. But he's one of the, at the time, he was one of the youngest kidney donors to his brother. He was literally age of 15. Am I right? And he gave to his brother at the age of 18 his kidney. Now it allowed his brother to live another 24 more plus years than he would have lived because he gave his kidney to his brother. That's a blessing to his brother. To live to 42 years old because of that kidney that was given to him. He didn't reject the kidney. He didn't say, no, I don't want that. No, he wanted life. He wanted more life. And as a result of him taking and receiving that, he had more life. And as a result of somebody giving what they had, he had more life. Are you catching this? As a result of what he gave to me, man, I have more life. And I have new life. And I can live that abundant and free. And so why even tempt myself with this and dabble with this part of the world? Why even get into that? No, 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 no. That, that's not life. That's death. I have nothing to do with that. Let's make sure that God wants us to live his, the life that he has for us. And why not take the life that God has for us? Because verse 10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Unto what? Good works. Good works which God hath before ordained, He's prepared them, we should walk in them. How do we walk? How do we walk? we got to continually, number two, go after God's good. How, what is that? What is God's good? God's good is found in Romans 6. Would you turn there with me, please? Romans 6. As we close out this morning, Romans 6, would you look and see what the Scripture has to say in Romans 6? Say, how do I walk? Maybe you're here this morning, that's good, I, I want to walk as God wants me to walk. Well, how do I walk? Well, it's not what I have to say about it. It's what the Scripture has to say about it. In Romans 6, it talks about walking in newness of life and, and servants of righteousness and, and living a life that's, that's walking with God and for God and the presence of God being present, alive unto Christ. It's going to be obvious that Christ is alive in you and outside of you. You're going to continually go after God's good then. God's good. Because it's not a matter of Romans 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Nope. God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us are baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his death, and therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, 
that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in what? Newness of life. Newness of life. We should walk in newness of life. It's more than just what we say. It's, it's got to become real in our life. And so it's, living in times past is not for now. It's not for present. No, God's plan is for you now. Can I encourage you? Can I encourage you? Make the present about God's presence. And continually go after God. And continually go after God's good. Unto good works. We should. Ephesians 2 verse 10, it says we should walk in them. That should be happening. That should be happening. You know what I'm afraid has happened with, with uh, Christians? We've taken a couple of verses and we think that we, we know these verses. We know, you know, we know the verse Hebrews 10.24, right before Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner some is, exhorting one another as you see the day approaching, which we should be doing more of. But Hebrews 10.24, the verse right above that says, and let us consider one another to provoke. I'm going to provoke somebody. I'm going to get them stirred up. I'm going to irritate them. That's not what it's talking about. It says, provoke to love and to good works. Not contention. Here's another verse that maybe I was confused with growing up as a child, and, and then I started to understand what it really meant. Proverbs 17, 17, friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. And by goodness, I have three sisters, so I'm born for adversity. No, that's not what it's talking about. Actually, what it means, so much so that you find out who your true friends are because when you're going through adversity, a friend loves you at all times. And they're there for you when you're in adversity. And when you're in the struggle. And when you're in the muck. And when you're in the mire. And when you're in the deep. And when no one else wants to be around you. You know, Job had, had some friends that weren't too good of friends to him. And so we need to provoke into love and to good works. We need to find ourselves a friend loving at all times. And then we find... In Ephesians 5, Ephesians 5, just a couple pages over, and I'm done. Ephesians 5. We looked at Romans 6, a great chapter. You want to know how to walk, what God wants, how, how God wants our life to look and to walk with God. Romans 6, 1 through 22, tells us about that. Ephesians 5 is another way to walk. It's actually walking in love and what that looks like and walking as children of light and what that looks like, and that's good. See, we want to go after God's good. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? Good. For good. Works. That's good. God has a purpose. Be therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also have loved us and have given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sour-smelling savor. Now a sweet-smelling savor. And then it tells us some things that shouldn't be a part of our life. All these things, they should not even be once named among you. No, not at all. Don't let any man deceive you with vain words. Verse 6. Be not therefore partakers with him. Verse 8. Walk as children of light, for you are sometimes darkness, but now, but now, there it is again. Oh, it's present. Oh, it's not in a time past. It's it's because God did something for me, and I, I got a new life in Christ, and so now I'm walking in love, and now I'm walking in as a children of light, and I'm walking, I'm walking as a, child, as a child, I'm walking, I'm walking, I'm walking. Walking. And there's fruit, and there's fruit to it. Ephesians 5, verse 16. Why? Well, see then as you walk... Verse 15, circumspectly, carefully, 
not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. Here's why. Because the days are evil. And if you don't think the days are evil, then you'll you turn on the news just for a few seconds and know that the days are evil. So what do we do about it? Redeem the time, walk circumspectly, walk in love, walk as children of light. And that's good because of salvation, communication from God, God's word, no breakdown. Only breakdown is me if I don't have time with him. Continually going after God's good for our life. Ever follow that which is good. And even in Ephesians 2, it says that we can have another fruit, the fruit unto holiness. Be holy as I am holy. And the only way you can be holy is if you receive Jesus Christ into your life. The only way you can be holy as a child of God, you're not striving for salvation, but from your salvation, you know that you need to live a life of holiness to reflect your Savior. Because life is not just your testimony and what you want to portray. The gospel is not spoken as a social gospel. It's a saving gospel. And so the gospel must be spoken. How can they hear without a preacher? It must be preached. It must be given. There's some people out here that need to hear the gospel today. There's some people out in our world that need to hear the gospel this week. The only way it's going to happen, God's good. We better be after it. But it doesn't get me salvation. It's not to salvation. It's from salvation and from Jesus Christ. We're created as his workmanship unto good works. God help us. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray that we've gotten some things from today, that we will shine bright, that we will prove what is acceptable in the perfect will of God, that we will provoke not people, but provoke unto love and to good works, that our light will shine. May it shine bright. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to shine bright in our life. A lighthouse doesn't ring bells, it doesn't fire cannons, it doesn't call attention to itself. It just shines. I pray that it will shine and shine bright with Jesus because you are the light of this world. And the true life, I pray that anyone this morning does not know you, they come to know you as a personal Savior. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcasts or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.